Yes, uh, today, um, those, uh, I was sort of, uh, God sort of showed me something very much on his bride. And I was eagerly waiting. And then um, as time went on, God sort of almost said, well, look, it's all right talking about my bride, but there's so many hurting people. And, uh, and soon after that, I started to, uh, uh, to change. And then I think it might have been straight after uh, Deacon Ajay, uh, Power of Patience. And then we heard uh, Deaconess Rita on um, Challenged but Not Defeated. And... Uh, I said, wow, God, you are really saying something. There is something. And then last week was Adiza, Arise. And I said, okay, God, yep, you'll definitely, uh, you'll definitely, I don't know what God is planning. We don't know, but it's definitely a, a theme. Um, those of you who don't know, I don't set themes for people. I allow the Holy Spirit to speak, and uh, this is definitely something. So my topic, I've got... Um, Essentially, two and a bit days. That is uh, today, um, next Sunday, and then the first Sunday of the month. The first Sunday month, we devote to God. We allow God to be glorified and worshipped. And any crumbs left after that, the speaker speaks. So I'll be sort of um, uh, speaking and then we've got communion today, so I'll be speaking to a place where I want to um, want to end today, so give time for the communion, and what's left I'll hopefully um, major on next week. But my message is, remove the stone, the dream is not dead. Amen, I'll say, remove the stone, the dream is not dead. Now, this uh, this message is for people uh, and myself, and I'll put a disclaimer in because um, this is not exclusively for Numa. So as pastor, I don't want them to think that I am uh, divulging something or I'm speaking something that you said in, in private. This, uh, the message, I understand people are watching in all manner of places, wider than I thought, uh, USA, uh, definitely in, in um, Eastbourne, and it reaches sometimes uh, Nigeria, Ghana, and Canada even sometimes. So I'm speaking, um, and Birmingham, mustn't forget my Birmingham. So uh, <laughs> I'm speaking for issues that may not be relevant in NUMA, but it's issues that people are hurting. Now, this message is for everyone who believes that they've had a genuine, genuinely received a word from God, but the overwhelming evidence seems to indicate that they must have got it wrong or that uh, the vision or the promise is dead. And so you've buried the dream, you've rolled a stone over it, and you've got on with your life. Now, I know what that feels like. I may share something, but... I'm here to tell you that if God has spoken, if God has spoken, that's one of the key things I want to emphasize. If God has spoken, it doesn't matter what evidence 
what overwhelming evidence there is to suggest that what God has spoken cannot come to pass. I'm letting, and you have been convinced by the overwhelming evidence such that you have buried the dream. You've buried the promise. You have, you have decided this cannot happen and you've rolled away, rolled a stone over it because to pass there is too painful. I am to encourage you to don't give up and whatever God has said, he has life in his word to bring it to pass. Now, there are, there are those who are about to give up because perhaps the child that God had shown you in a vision or a dream that was going to be used in his kingdom has become more rebellious and, and more ungodly the, way you, the more you pray. In, in marriage, you may be saying, the marriage, you just can't take anymore. You've come to a place where you're actually saying, God, did you really, really tell me to marry this person? If that's the case, why am I going through what I'm going through? You may be saying, um, you may be wanting to get married and you're saying, God, you promised me this, but it's just too late. I am of an age where the idea of getting married and having children has passed. And therefore, you're simply saying, okay, God, I'm, I'm going to be faithful. But every time you figuratively pass that grave, it pains. Because it's a, rem it's a, a memorial of what you deem as a failure, a promise that God has made and hasn't kept. I'm here to tell you that if God has said it, in his promise has all the life and it is not dependent upon time, space, or even you. If God has said it, he will fulfill it. And I'm going to give some examples, some characters, and I'm gonna focus particularly on the character of Jacob. We tend to focus on very other things and you'll see why. Um, I'm talking also about the businessman who, again, you believe that God has told you to get into this business and you are frustrated every move you make. It seems that you're blocked and, and even the business is going down and financially, you're actually saying, God, did you really speak? If so, why is this business? Why is this thing not working? And I'm going to, as I say, use Jacob's life as an as a, uh, example. And I'll just tell you where I'm going. I've got some sort of uh, highlights of Jacob's uh, life. Um, and I particularly, so uh, if I have to jump, I will jump. Because I particularly want to get to Genesis 37. So I'm going to go, uh, point out a few um, high points in Jacob's life, but I may just uh, leave you the references and for you to actually look them up because I particularly want to at least get to Genesis 37 uh, regarding the dreams of Joseph. Now, let's start. So if we look at uh, Jacob's life, birth, it's Genesis 25, 19. 
And obviously, those who are no scholars, that Jacob's father was Isaac. So if we look to uh, Genesis 25, 19, in fact, we'll start at uh, 20, and it says this. Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah as wife, the daughter of Belial, Bethuel, the Syrian at Padaram, the sister of Laman, the Syrian. Now, I, Isaac pleaded with the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord granted his plea and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. Now, let me just point something out because sometimes uh, the Bible can say something. You've got Isaac pleading uh, for his wife, Rebekah, who is barren. And you think, and it says, and God heard him. Let me just give you some background here to understand what's going on here. God, Abraham was Isaac's father, as we know. Abraham will have told Isaac to say that God has promised me that my descendants will be like the stars. You can't count them. And you are the promised son. And through you, they will be de my, the descendants are going to be like the stars, mountainless. In fact, you'll be you will bless the, the nation. Isaac marries Rebekah. You, one thing in Isaac's life you should be able to guarantee is that Isaac will have a child. Because without that child, the God's promise cannot happen. Right? So Re Isaac marries Rebekah. And it says that Isaac had to plea. Okay? He had to plea because Rebekah uh, was barren. And then it says God heard his prayer. Now, let me, just, let me just jump down a little bit so that you understand. It took Isaac 20 years to get his answered prayer. You notice it says, and God uh, uh, granted his plea. Rebecca, uh, his wife, conceived. Well, let me just go a bit further on. And it, when the children, we'll come back in a minute. When the children uh, was born, it says that Isaac was 60 years all right, let me just see if I can find it. I'm, I'm, I'm depending upon my electronic here, so if I can find it quick enough. But um, I will have to find it for you because my electronic's not working as well. But take it for me and I'll find it for you. 20 years praying. See, it says, you know, uh, Isaac pleaded with the Lord and God granted him his plea. The gap between there is 20 years. Now, I don't know, you see, I don't know whether they have a different time of time since in those days. But if we were praying for something for 20 years, some, for some people, that's half their life. Because uh, Isaac was 40 and he prayed for half his life for something that you would expect God to have given you just like that. Why God does that? I'll tell you the truth. I don't know. But let's just move on. So, Isaac prays for Rebecca. Rebecca has twins. And there seems to be a struggling within her. So she says, if this is happening, why, why is the children struggling? And uh, 
look at verse 22, says, but the, but the children struggled together within her. And she said, if all is well, why am, why am I like this? So she went and inquired the Lord. And the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb. Two people will be separated. To summarize, it says that the young, the older will serve the older. Now, we, uh, they, she gives birth and um, Esau comes out first. And it says that Esau was like, his skin was like red, it's like a hairy carpet. And then whilst Esau's coming out, so they named him Esau, hairy. Uh, whilst Esau's coming out, uh, the other one as holding the heel of the firstborn. So they call him uh, <laughs> Jacob, which means supplanter, which means deceitful, or means holding of one's heel. Now, the next thing is, because I'm going to speed up their life. <laughs> it's so funny. Rebecca appears not to have told Isaac about the promise that God gave. I'll show you why. And I don't know, I mean, this whole family, the whole genealogy is a dysfunctional family. Esau is a, a Isaac loved Esau. And, Jake, uh, and Rebecca loved Jacob. And the, in verse 20, in verse 31, Jacob persuades Esau to sell his birthright. And in verse it says, but Jacob said, sell, Jacob, uh, uh, sorry, Esau comes in from the field hungry. And Jacob says, sell me your birthright as of this day. And Esau said, look, I'm about to die. So what is his birthright to me? Then Jacob said, swear to me as of this day. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils. Then he ate and drank and arose and went away. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Now, the time comes on. And the reason why I think that Rebecca didn't tell Isaac, Isaac is a godly man. Isaac is not like his father Abraham fighting, etc. He's a peaceful man. As we heard uh, when um, uh, Deaconess Rita mentioned him, when somebody took his, took, claimed the well that his servants, he didn't fight and whatever, he just went, okay, and moved on, and moved on, and moved on. When Rebecca was coming, we find Isaac in the fields meditating. He was a, a, a man of peace. And the reason why I do not think that Rebecca told Isaac of the, the, the answer was that when it came to um, the next part when Isaac is about to give Esau his rightful place, i.e. as the first, firstborn, Rebecca tells Jacob, and this is the thing that I can't understand, tells 
Jacob to deceive Isaac. Now she knows that God has told, told her that Jacob will, in fact, should be uh, effectively the blessings of the firstborn. But Isaac, and I don't believe Isaac would have actually gone against what God has said by blessing Esau. So that's why I think that Rebekah never told Isaac. Now, in order to get the blessing, Rebekah and Jacob begin to a plan to, not begin, plan to deceive Isaac. And if you all know the story, um, Esau is a hairy man, a man of the field. Um, so Isaac says, look, I'm going to die. I want to bless you before I die. So he sends Esau out to the field to get some, some game and for him to cook it the way he likes it and then to bless him. So, uh, so Rebecca hears this and tells Jacob, look, get two, get two goats. I will prepare the meal and I will strip the skin of one and put it on your arms and put it round your neck. And I'll get Esau's, Esau's uh, cloth and you can wear it. In all this is to deceive Isaac in blessing Jacob. And in short, it succeeds. And Isaac blesses Jacob with all the blessing he thinks he's giving Esau. Now, let's pause here. You cannot use the devil's tools and not get, and you think you can get away with it. The price, the hiring of using the devil's tools, we know his personality and his job description is to kill, steal, and destroy. So even if you think you've profited by using the devil's tools of this, of, in this case, deception, there is a price that you'll pay over and over and over again. I, 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 I once was tempted. In, uh, let me just put it this way. So in other words, if you have gained a business through some sort of wheeling and dealing, pray for repentance and ask God to cancel, it, cancel whatever is coming. If you have uh, uh, robbed or, or done anything using the enemy's tools, just know that is, there is a price. And uh, it's better that you repent and say, God, forgive me. And God will, his grace will cover that part and pray that the consequences, because remember, the Bible says that the Satan has to ask for, for permission in order to harass you or, 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 or attack you. Now, if you are using his tools, he can say, look, this person has used my tools and I am entitled now to, to, to harass this person because he's, used my, he's hired me and this is his price. I was tempted, just to make sure, just to let you know that, you know, we're all, we're all tempted to do it. I was tempted. Um, uh, I've known Joe since we were schools. We went to, you know, the same school. So we've known each other a long, long time. 
And uh, there comes a point, you know, in marriage where, you know, you're thinking, you know, I'm, be I'm being, you know, I think I'm being taken for granted here. So you just think, well, perhaps if I, um, I don't, if she, don't, if, don't even know she knows this. <laughs> I, I, I said, well, no, perhaps uh, I ought to just, you know, find, just, you know, just, just to, you know, show that I'm still wanted. I could go on them and just, uh, as it were, let her know that, you know, I, you know, I, I you know. So I, I, I thought to myself, yeah, I'm, I, you know, just let her know that, you know, I'm still, I'm still, you know, I'm still, you know, something, you know. I thought about it. Then this is what I've just said. And it came to me and said, do not use the devil's tools of jealousy. I'm trying to engender jealousy in her. So I said, do not use the devil's tools. Because the hiring price is too high for you. Who knows if I'd gone down that road, we perhaps wouldn't be married now. Because once you open up the door for the devil, he's no gentleman. He'd be kicking down the door and other demons start coming in. And before you know it, uh, all kinds of lost um, unfaithfulness, all kinds of spirits starts to, and I'm saying, what happened? What? I opened the door. Because I decided in my flesh that, you know, I wanted some sort of recognition and let people, you know, let her know that, hey, I, I'm still, I'm, you know, I'm still attractive on the, on the market. And, you know, just to get her, you know, attention. Okay, so back to this. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Now, okay, just to move a bit forward. So, uh, Esau realizes he's been, he's been duped by Jacob and he's wailing that he's, first of all, given up his birthright and secondly, that Jacob has taken this blessing. And he, he says, he consoles himself to say, my father is old. When he dies, I will, I will sort out Jacob. The mom hears this and says, look, uh, he's consoling himself that when uh, uh, Isaac dies, he's going to kill you. So, he's, so she, she makes up a story in effect to say, uh, um, I, I cannot bear the idea that Jacob could possibly marry these Hittite women. And Isaac agrees and sends him away to his uncle, Laman, and sends him away and... Uh, we find that he goes to the country and where he meets, he meets this, uh, this uh, woman, uh, Rachel. And he happens to be uh, Laman's niece. And he joins Laman and it's all very happy, etc. And he's there with Laman for about a month. And Laam says, uh, Eben says, look, you're, you, are a, um, you are a fellow, you're my family, you can't work for nothing, what would you want? And Jacob in that month sees Rachel, falls in love with her and says, look, I will work for you for seven years for Rachel's hand. And the Bible says that... Uh, 
and by the way, if you want to look at that, it's in um, Genesis 29, 25, 28. He says that the seven years went like nothing because he loved her. So, uh, in fact, it's, uh, it's worth probably looking at. Let's look at Genesis 29. Let's look at Genesis 29. Okay. Or perhaps we got 28. It's 28. Punchline is, yeah, punchline is that he meets Rachel, falls in love with her, works for her for, for, for seven years, and then he comes to Laban, Lebanon, Laban, and says, okay, I've done my seven years now. I want my prize, Rachel. So, um, Leban, or Laban, has a party. So this is deliberate. He has a party, gets all the celebration, etc. And then when it's probably night, because they didn't have electricity in those days, it's just candles or whatever, he gives his bride. He thinks it's Rachel. He's all happy. Next morning, glory to God, hallelujah. <laughs> What's this? It's Leah. Now I want you to understand. Jacob has effectively met his match in deception. This man, I'll just shorten it. This man is, is a crook. And so uh, Jake, uh, Jacob is angry, goes to him and says, did I not work for seven years for, for Rachel? How can you give me Le Leah? He says, well, look, in where we are, our custom, you can't give the firstborn before the younger. So I'll tell you what, stay with, uh, keep... Um, Leah, and after a week, I'll give you Rachel. However, you now have to work another seven years. You see, I thought, I would have thought, look, you worked seven years, uh, he's given you Leah, uh, and you just give him, no, he says, no, you have to work for Rachel again. That's 14 years he has to work for Rachel. So we were just moving on. We could spend time on Leah. It is a very sad story. Leah is hated by Jacob. And in those days, okay, good, okay. In those days, um, they always, if you want to know what they were like, you'd look at the names of their children because they all seem to sort of signify where they are in life by the name of their children. And if you want to see what the situation was with Leah un unloved, if you look at first Genesis 20, 29, 31 to 34, let's look at that. It's a very sad story. And when you have a father like uh, Leban, who's is not, he doesn't have your interest at heart, and arranged marriage doesn't work. So she is suffering. Uh, unloved, and as a result, God has mercy on her and gives her four children. First children is um, Reuben, and then it's uh, Reuben, Simeon, Simeon, and then Levi, and then Judah. But if I can find the, trying to do two things at the same time, clearly it doesn't work. So let me just do it here. Verse 29. 
it's a say, very, very sad story. I just want to just want to quickly get to the um, okay. Can't find it quick enough, but anyway, so yes, because uh, okay, thank thirty-one onwards. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, thirty-one. Is this uh, there's three terms? Okay. Unfortunately, you'll have to look it up yourself, but those are, I mean, it's like the first one is heard and the second one is uh, unloved. And that's right. And it's a, a terrible story. She gives four children to him and then stops. Rachel, on the other hand, says, give me children or I die. And he says, uh, Jacob says, am I, am I God? And then she gives her maid. And the whole picture is that uh, Leah finally uh, bears six sons and one daughter, and uh, the two maids give two children each, and then finally, Rachel, God opens her womb, and Rachel has a child, and it's J uh, Joseph, and I think something like, her, the name's like, bring me another, or something of that sort, so bring another son. Now, what you have to understand is that Jacob left all the family in no doubt that as far as he's concerned, Rachel was his wife and everybody else didn't almost count. So as soon as Rachel, as soon as Rachel has a child, he says, right, I want to leave now. Uh, I've worked for you for 14 years. Uh, I want to return back to my fam family, family home. And Liam, Laban says, look, I know that I've been blessed because of you. And be, be, so, so what, will, what will allow you to stay? What can I give you for you to stay? And Jacob says, look, I have worked for you all these years. I have, I have suffered all manner of things. And uh, I'm, I'm, I was prepared to return with nothing, but I am prepared to uh, work for you. I don't think he gave a specific time, but I'm prepared to work for you. And my wages will be speckled a goat and sheep, i.e. black or white, and brown or black uh, uh, sheep or goat. I can't remember which way it is. And, it, and this, is, this is a show that what a crook he is. Lebanon. Leban says, fine, great. And it says, that day, that day he went amongst his, his cattle and removed every speckle, everything that had white on it, everything that was brown, and took it and gave it to his sons. So all that was left was everything but what was agreed. So what I'm saying is that Jacob had through allowing the spirit of deception, his life was being tormented by this man through deception. To cut long story short now, finally, I mean, through, uh, I don't know what to call it, because he, Jacob, then 
uh, does, I don't know what to call it, because I don't believe God told him, but by putting certain pieces of, of stick before the, the, the rams and the sheep, they all became speckle, and eventually he took over the whole cattle. Now, Lemon is, is obviously not, not, he hears the children saying, look, Jacob is now taking all our father's cattle. And uh, the way Laban is, uh, uh, is looking at him, he knows he's not in favor. So they eventually leave in secret. Now, why, why am I going through all this? It's because God, in uh, chapter 28, had told Jacob that he was going to bless him. Jacob is a person that does not, he's not a praying man. But God had told him he's going to bless him. He's, he's now returning to the, fam the, the, the family and having to face Esau. So the tricks and the, and the deception that he, he tricked his brother, he's now having to face. So again, to cut long story short, it's a lovely story. But anyway, he then returns in um, verse 32. He wrestles. He wrestles with, um, uh, it says wrestles with God, but I read wrestles with an angel. That's probably worth looking at. Verse 32. Chapter 32, verse 24. Right, I'm going to jump a whole lot of things because I want to get to where I want to get to. Yes, Genesis 32, 24. 32, 24. And it says this. 24. Right, it says, right, okay. And he, um, 20, Jacob was left alone. So what he's done, he's put all his uh, family across the, across the river, effectively. And he's put the maids and their children in one, in one group, he's put uh, Leah and her children in another group. And is the final, the last one, is Rachel and Joseph. And he effectively said, if they attack the first one, the second one will escape. If they attack the, the second one, the third one will escape. But in everything he's done, he's making clear to everybody that he regards Rachel as his wife. And as far as the others, you're all dispensable. Now you read it. And this is his thing. And he's over the other side. And he's, he's, uh, uh, he's having a wrestling match with, I would describe as an angel. And he says, um, he's having a wrestling match. And verse, if I go to verse 25, it says, now, when he saw, that's the 22, he took them, he took them, set them over the brook and sent them over what he had. Then Jacob was left alone and the man wrestled with him until breaking of day. Now, when he saw that he did not prevail against him, 
he, the man, touched the socket, the hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Again, cut a long story short, a very long story. He, he, he thinks that Esau is still uh, angry over him. Esau meets him and says, you know, you know, it's lovely to see you, etc., etc." Uh, uh, Esau says, come join with me. Jacob says, no, 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 I'll, I'll follow you. And so Esau leaves him and typical Jacob, he goes another way and ends up in Shechem. Now, let me just step a little bit back here. God has promised him that he will, he's got the, the blessings of Isaac. He's got further blessings on the way there that God's going to protect him. And in every way, he's still scheming. In every way, he's still uh, trying to wheel and deal. He's not a straightforward man. Eventually, in verse chapter 34, I'm jumping a bit, go 34, he goes to Shechem. Dinah uh, goes and looks for the, the women in the place, and she gets raped by the uh, leader of that place. The, the sons of Jacob are angry, and um, Levi and Simeon trick the people there and kills, kill everybody in revenge of raping Dina. Now, the, 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 the one who raped her actually loved Dina and was, was doing all kinds of negotiations with um, uh, Jacob to marry her. But the sons were too angry and said, should, should he treat our, our sister like a prostitute? So they kill everybody take all their plunder, and Jacob says, you've made me a stink in this area. Now everybody will now pursue me. We're only small, and you'll they will pursue me and kill me. But God's, God tells him to go back to Bethel. Now Bethel was where he first heard from God. And I'm saying, when you are, when the promises that you believe God has told you is not coming through, go back to the place where you first heard that word. Go back to the place. There's no shame in actually saying, God, did you really say this? Did you really say this? Now, just to interject a little bit before we go on, because I'm going to jump a, a, a major part because I want to get to Joseph, because I want to meet this, because this is crucial parts of this message. But the crucial thing is that, did God say it? We have here, uh, we have a small but a combat uh, drilled, toughened intercessors. 
And the first thing we want to know is what has God said? Because, because listening to this message and this message is encouraged me to say nothing's impossible. If God has said it, it doesn't matter how long it takes. We will pray and pray and pray until it happens. Because God has said there are, there are prayers that I've been praying with somebody for ten, over 10 years. Now, I didn't think it was going to take that long, but because God had said, the person said, God has said, I'm in there. I'm still in there because if God said it, I know it will come to pass. And our job is to keep fighting. We have, come, we have seasoned intercessors because they have been through their own struggles and found that God is faithful. So consequently, if we know that's the only thing we want to know, what has God said? If God has said it, we're still there. We're still fighting because we know we have found that God's word doesn't matter about the overwhelming evidence. The overwhelming evidence. If God said it, it's going to happen. Now, I would love to go in a bit more, but I'm going to jump. I'm going to jump uh, to uh, Genesis 37. And I, uh, from there, I will just briefly say what happened. Okay. On the way, on the way to, which is now called Bethlehem, Rachel has a very, very, very tough labor. And as a result, she dies. Now, this is Jacob's first love. And as she's dying, the mid midwife says, don't worry, it's a, it's, a, it's a son. And as she's dying, she says, I will call him Ben-Oni, which is son of my sorrow. Jacob, who now knows the importance of names, because, because he was called the deceiver and supplanter, that seems to be his personality. So he immediately says, no, we will call him Benjamin son of my right hand. So now we are in, um, is dwelling in Canaan, verse 37. And I'm just going to touch this because it's important. Because what if I, if I meet this part, I'll have done what I want to do today. And then we can pick it up next week. Now it says, now Jacob dwelt in the land where, where his father's are strangers, and in the land of Canaan. This is his history of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers, and the lad was with the sons of Bil Bilhah and uh, Zil Zilpah, his father's wives, and Joseph brought a bad report. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age, and also made him a tunic of many colors. As we've probably gone through this already, but J uh, Jacob was treating Joseph as if he was his firstborn. That tunic was just not just a tunic, it was a symbol of saying, I'm treating you as my firstborn. J uh, Joseph was, it, it, without, without doubt, the sport one. The sport one. He is at home while everybody's in the field. 
And when he's in the field, he reports bad news to some of his brothers. So those brothers hate him. And because Jacob makes it obvious that Joseph is the favorite, they all hate him. So you can imagine they're having an argument and Jacob would automatically say, Joseph is right. So you can see this hatred. So, and then he goes, but when the brothers saw that the father loved him more than the, uh, the, his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. Now, Jace, now Joseph had a dream and he told it to his brothers and they hated him even more. So what we have a picture is that they hate him already because he's probably a sport. They hate him because the father loves him above all the others. They hate him because uh, he's being treated as the uh, firstborn. Because as far as Jacob's concerned, he's the firstborn of Rachel. And he didn't want the others. That was all put upon him. So now Joseph tells his brothers that he has a dream. And the dream, as we've said, he says, and he said to them, please hear this dream, which I have dream, dreamed. There we were binding sheaves in the field. Then behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright. And indeed, your sheaves stood all around and bowed down to my sheaves. And his brothers said to him, shall we indeed reign Shall you indeed reign over us or shall you indeed have dominion over us? Now, you notice that the whole family must have had the gift of reading dreams because everybody understood what this meant. OK, everybody understood. He said, oh, right. So you you think you're going to dominate over us. And it says they hated him even more and for his words. Now, Joseph now has another dream. Now, come on, Joseph. You know your brothers hate you. You know you... See, I actually said, maybe Joseph was on the spectrum. Because I cannot understand anybody who knows, who can pick up signals that he's hated by his brothers. I mean, they hate him already. Now you've, now you've provoked them to say that you are all now going to bow down and uh, uh, effectively have dominion over me. He then says, I have another dream. And he says, let me tell you my dream. And he says, this time, the 11 stars all bound, bound down to me, including the sun and the moon. And Jacob says, now, come on, son, now. Okay, are you now saying that we, your mother and father, is going to bow down before you? So he even managed to provoke his beloved Jacob, his father who loves him more than anyone else. But it says, Jacob pondered in his heart. So now Jacob is thinking, hmm. So I can see now Jacob saying, well, God has promised me that my descendants are going to be like the, 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 the fields or the stars, numberless, like the sand. And Jake, Joseph is now saying this dream. Is God going to be using Joseph? So I can see he's sort of, he's now, he's now thinking maybe God is going to do it through Joseph. Now, since we all know the story, I'm going to very quickly. One day, Jacob sends Joseph to look at the, look for the 
the brothers to see how, the, he's, how they're doing and how the flocks are doing. And he goes where he thought they were in Shechem and he's wandering around in the field and someone sees him and says, no, they've moved to another part. So as he's coming, the brothers say, here comes this dreamer. Let's, let's kill him. And uh, let's see verse 18 says, now when they saw him afar off, even before he came near, they conspired against him to kill him. Then they said to one another, look, this dreamer is coming. Come, therefore, let us now kill him and cast him in uh, uh, some pit. And we'll say some wild beast has devoured him. We shall see what comes of his dream. We've heard of dream killers. Well, these are going to kill him. But Reuben says, let's not kill him and da 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 da. Okay, so verse 23. So, so it came to pass that when Joseph had come to, to his brothers, that they stripped Joseph of his tunic of many collars and, and, uh, that was on him. Then they took him and cast him in a pit. And the pit was empty. There was no water in it. And they sat down to eat a meal. Then they lifted up their eyes and looked, and there was a company of the Ishmaelites coming from Gilead uh, with their camels bearing spices. Short story is that they say, let's, let's not kill him. Let's sell him. And they sell him for 30 pieces of silver. Now, this is the part. All this is to lead to this part. Then I can stop. They then say, okay, let us. Reuben comes, finds that he's not there. And they say, okay, let's now, having sold him, come to our father. It says, then Reuben returned to the pit. And indeed, Joseph was not in the pit. And he tore his clothes and returned to his brothers and said, the lad is no more. And where, what shall I do? So they took Joseph's tunic and killed a kid of the goat, of the goats, and dipped it in the, dipped the tunic in the blood. They then sent, sent the tunic of many colors. That's right. They then sent the tunic of many colors and they brought it to their father and said, we have found this. Do you know whether this is your son's tunic? And he recognized it and said, it is my son's tunic. A wild beast has devoured him. Without doubt, Joseph is torn to pieces. Now, this is, this is the crux of this. If they had brought the tunic, just, you know, just brought the tunic, Jacob will probably have said, oh, my son is probably lost. And he will spend his whole life searching for him. If they had brought the tunic that was torn, he might have said, oh, Joseph is injured somewhere, maybe he's falling down, but he would have still had hope and still be looking for him. But the fact that they brought his tunic soaked in blood, in other words, the overwhelming evidence was that Joseph was dead, but it was a lie. I want to hear that. The overwhelming evidence that they presented to Jacob was that Joseph was dead, but it was a lie. And that's how Satan operates. He will present you with overwhelming evidence that God's word was not true. 
but that is a lie. God's word is life. It has the power to produce itself. And all Satan is trying to do is separate you. You are going through problems now and you have overwhelming evidence that what God has said is not true. I am saying today it is a lie. It is a deception and he's the master deception. And you see, if, if, because you notice he said, Jacob said, there's no doubt, no doubt that Joseph is dead. And because there was no doubt, he's not going to inquire. You see, if it was his coat, sooner or later, Jacob would have said, God, where is he? You know, where is he? If, if the coat was torn and no blood, he says, God, where is he? You know, I, 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 you gave him a dream. I, I, I could see this dream was, was from you. Where is he? But because Satan presented overwhelming evidence that, that the dream is dead, you, you are, and you are saying in your circumstances, overwhelming evidence that your dream is dead. If God has said it, it is a lie. And that is why I'm saying it is time to remove the stone because your dream is not dead. Now, the beauty of reading from the Old Testament, we can, we can start here. And if we get bored, we can look at the end and say, oh, yes. Uh, yes, we can see that the end of this and everything, everything God's going to do. But unfortunately, we can't do it in our lives. You see, if we could actually say, what I'm going through now, I'm suffering. Let me just jump 20 years down the road and go, oh, glory to God. I can then come back and say, yay, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I can take it. But unfortunately, we can't do that. We have to trust the word that God has given us. And I'm saying to you, if God has given it you, it has the power. There is no surprise. There is nothing in what God has given you and promised you that you're going to surprise him. God says, oh, I never thought of that. I didn't see that coming. If God has said it, it will come to pass. What Satan is trying to do is make sure that we are not there when the answer comes. Because we have decided that what has been promised, what God has promised is not true. That daughter... That daughter that you saw in a dream that, that was going to be used of God, she comes home and she says, Daddy, Mommy, I'm pregnant. You say, my God, what, what, what about this dream? The, 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 the son whom you, 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 God has just been using him, using him, using him. Suddenly, something happens and he's in prison. And you're saying, God, what's happened to that promise? What have, what, is this promise real? And I'm saying to you, the first thing to do is go back to Bethel. Jacob once met God at Bethel. God even said in uh, uh, Genesis 35, he says, return to Bethel. In other words, return to the place where you first heard God's word. There is no shame in, in going back and saying, God, what is happening? Why is this happening? But if Satan can fool you into saying that there is, there is no doubt that it's all over, then you're not going to inquire of God. Because as far as you're concerned, just you roll the stone over the dream 
Because as far as you're concerned, the dream is dead. And I'm saying today, took a long way to get here, but I need to get here first. We'll, we'll, we'll develop it next week. Roll away the stone. This is you. You notice when Jesus said it in, uh, in uh, John 11, he says, take away the stone or roll away the stone or remove the stone. Because he was about to, to bring life into something that you thought was dead. And I'm saying today, I'm saying today, remove the stone. Remove the, the what you call overwhelming evidence. Because it's a lie. It's a deception. And next week, we will see what happens when you believe the lie. Because what happens is that you believe the lie and you open the door for fear, for doubt. For you'll be surprised that this Jacob, the way he reacted after that, is a man of no faith, full of fear. Even when God was blessing him, he thought it was a curse. And that's what happens when you believe that God is your enemy. Even when he's blessing you, you believe it's a curse. I've stood here. I have stood here and said, and it's true at the time. I said, I used to think I was... Uh, 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 I was special for special to God, but because of the battering and all kinds of things, I said I did not believe that anymore. I am removing the stone. I am removing the stone. Shandarabal. I am removing the stone. The things that God has promised me, I know will come to pass because in His Word has all the power to fulfil what He has promised. Next week, bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.